Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Controversy, comedy, and that thug life. It's the Pantelis Podcast. Am I on? I feel like I'm on now. You're on now. Sounds good. Yeah. You're on now. You sound great. Thank you very much. I sound sick, don't I? Mike Carozza <laughs> in studio. Woo. And a little under the weather. Just slightly. But I have you in good spirits, though. Yes, sir. You do. What's so, happening? I'm good. What have you been up to? You, I've been seeing you at the, at the Nest. You're, you're at the works all weekend. Yes, sir. You're having fun. You're enjoying this. Yeah, man. Things are moving. I like... Uh, I like the way things are going. I have a show that that happens bi-weekly at the Comedy Works that's like been doing fairly well. Walter told me it's the most popular non-weekend show that they have at the Works. I can see that. This is the Mike Carozza Knows Everybody. No, no. That's that's long done. This is uh, Figure It Out with Mike Carozza. Figure It Out. That's the one they're using now. That's the one where it's like kind of an interruption show, but it's more like a workshop uh, vibe where you come up. Like I sit on a chair the entire show, and I have my own microphone, but then I have another comic come up. And they bring up bits that they're not, like, settled on and they want to explore a little bit. And so they start doing the bit and, like, they can use me if they want. I'll jump in if they feel like it. I like the, the idea yeah. of this. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I have a couple rules for myself and it, and it really works out well. I like I like that you, 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 you're silly and you try different things. One of the biggest things I've noticed with a lot of the comics is that they're scared to kind of reach a bit. They get stuck in their little zone, right, yeah, where they're they comfortable, comfortable with. Yeah, and then they, they don't – and that – they kind of become um, old fast, or they, you don't see them grow. Like you'll see them a year later, and you're like, "Fuck!" They didn't. They're not testing anything. They're just scared. Whereas I've seen you, that five already, you know. Every time I see you, though, it's always something different. The confidence <laughs> on there is is preposterous. You make everybody feel comfortable, especially when you're hosting. Oh, thanks, I know man. it doesn't matter if the room is is pissed off at the weather. At they have their own problems. Yeah, most you're going to bring them are. on board, which is hard to do. I've seen you turn around rooms that I was like, "Holy fuck! Look at Karotsu go!" Thanks, man. You know, people we talk about it backstage. We're like, "Karotsu, look at that!" <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing bothers him. <laughs> no, no. Meanwhile, everything, everything bothers me. Yeah, inside, <laughs> but you're not letting them know. No, you don't no, let them win. I can't let them win. I'm I not, like that. They're not allowed to win. This is not a, what, you think this is a game? This is my life. I you, fight. You been getting out of the city at all? <laughs> yeah, actually. I was just I just got back from Toronto not too long ago. Did a bunch of sets out there. Uh, kind of just looking at neighborhoods because I got to move out there in like August. You're moving? Yep. I didn't know. Yeah, man. There's like an exodus happening. Another group of us are thinking about going. How many? As of now, there are only five of us that I can think of, and I don't know if they want anybody to know, but I'm I'm being pretty vocal about it. It got pushed back to August, but you know it was supposed to be April, and then uh, family like I have a wedding coming up, and then another festival we go do, and then so it just makes more sense for me to stick around for a bit before heading out, and then going in August I can actually get my uh, my part time job out there set up and. Uh, Maybe, you know, finding apartments is usually easier because it's a college town out there, too. Right. Yeah. That kind of sucks. That's sad news. I wasn't expecting that. You just yeah. hit me. You, you <laughs> did a low blow. No, nah, you know what? It's sad depending on how you look at it. You know, it's uh, it's sad if uh, if you believe Montreal's got a future as a stand-up city. <laughs> 
but uh, it's very happy if you if you think about my career as a whole. Yeah, that's that's you know what? Yeah, uh, opportunity wise, Noor Noor's out there. She's having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. I of stayed th- with her when I was out there, and uh, man, it, she's she's been doing great. Yeah. The, the the amount of conversations we'd have every day about like opportunities coming in, I'd be like. What do you think you're gonna do? She's like, well, I can't do all of them. I have to say no to some of them. I'm like, you That's gotta, you gonna say no? Ah, we don't have that option here. No, we don't. We get the one thing, and then it's like, does it pay? It's like, no, 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 no still, still, I want to still, I let me do it anyway. I'll do it anyway. Fuck, man, that's interesting. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for a while. If I should just get the hell out of here for a bit, uh, I, I get to, to travel a bit, so yeah, you know, I get where, to, where to reach you, out. You coming from anywhere recently? Where, uh, where Boston. Nice. But before now, I'm I'm planning. Uh, should be going out to California shortly. Okay. So that, that I love. That's the funness, right? Because nobody, yeah. nobody's seen the, your material if it's not if it's relatively new. That's right. That's right. Uh, they're they're pr- essentially supportive because it's all different for them, right? You know what I mean? They're like, oh, what the fuck's he talking about? Yeah. So it's, well, it's a lot of fun. In my in my experience, like the American comics are very very quick to help. Yeah. And that's to talk about community. That's like even though everybody's kind of like fighting for the same stuff. I, I've seen a lot of American comics just like jump in to help with folks and yeah no they've uh, they've been good I li- like the the people that I know in LA the comics there yeah super cool they're I consider them friends they're good. you know we still talk they're they're good people yeah I, and I, I have fun out there but Toronto is a scene that I haven't explored man you know what Toronto is very interesting because the as a city I was not a fan of the city until I got to a comedy show like a room you know just like any room there just felt okay. And it's as if, like, it's almost as if, like, Torontonians pick one place where they're allowed to feel joy, and it's there. It's at a comedy club. Anywhere else, it's like, nope, we can't smile out outside of a comedy club. The and robotic. So I did, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the city so much, but uh, I got to move there, and hopefully it'll grow on me, or maybe I can, you know, I don't know. I like, the, I like to be the guy on a bus who says hi to people, you know? You're going to have options there, though, dude, because you're going to hear your writing won't get recognized because it's not like you're going to get crazy writing gigs. You know what I mean? There, there's opportunities to write, to act. Uh, there's so many neighboring areas outside of Toronto, the main city. Which is city. why I got to go out there. Yeah. You, you, can, uh, you can do a lot better. I mean, Montreal, we, we're very, you know what, we're very fortunate with the two clubs that we have here, especially, like, David's turned the nest around from yeah. what it used to be years and years ago. And, you know... Um, he's he's taking it really like a next level and it's incredible the nest is really killing it right now and like they know they are and they're they're not going to stop and that's that's what i think is a, a beautiful thing about that place and the works has just been taking a lot of chances on locals and i think that's also very valuable yeah to to be able to you know talk to walter and be like hey i was thinking about putting a show together and i got and I got this cafe that wanted me to do it there, but I figured I'd talk to you and see if you can give me a shot. And he was like, yeah, come try it, see if it works. And here we are. It was like, what, our 11th show uh, this week? And uh, it's bi-weekly, so it's, you know, it spans a couple months. But, you know, uh, 11 shows where, you know, about, you know, the, for a Tuesday night where, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's pretty packed in there and people are having a good time. I think uh, I'd consider that a win. It is. It's a win, especially in this city. I mean, it's hard to get people to come out sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, not, not to you know. Here, it's, it's um, part of part of what makes me feel kind of okay with leaving in in, uh, in the summer is uh, literally the the visible dwindling of audiences around this time of year. You know, it doesn't matter how great your room is, doesn't matter how well you do. Uh, for sure, 
there's an audience that just decides not to show up. Yep. Unless it's a JFL showcase. Just for Laughs showcases were all packed. Yeah, they were all packed, yeah. And like, Jesus, why, you know, hey, hey, Just for Laughs, why don't you, why don't you tell people that there's still comedy in the city? Why don't you? You know what I mean? I, isn't it interesting, though, how packed? I'm, I'm always surprised. Every Very. year it's been like, this year I was at the Nest one. Yeah. It was just through the roof. It was, it was oh, like yeah, a yeah. Turkish soccer stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I was at the I was at the works. I heard that was fucking banging too, buddy. That that lineup should have could have and should have been the Montreal show. Do you Mon- see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if if they decide to bring back the Montreal show this year, don't even touch the lineup. Have Darren host. Have those first ten co- comics go up, and and that's it. We got the show. It's done. It's over. We did it. It was an hour and a half, right? It was about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was uh, showtime. Seven minute sets. You know, just about that. Yeah. You know, Darren keeps him rolling. You know, Darren Henwood talking about a host who can get any room. Darren Henwood knows what he's doing. Yeah, he, he's. And uh, you know, everybody did so great, man. Like I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I feel pretty confident and well about my set. Like I had a very good set. I, me too. I feel but, good. Uh, I feel but great. then watching everybody else on that night, it's like, hey, man, balls up in the air. But that's how it is, and that's that's amazing though. When you get to look at, at your friends around, you're like, fuck, you're, we all did well. You're contemporary. Yeah. You know? Whatever happens, happens. Now we did well. The worst is when you don't leave it all on the floor. Oh yeah, that's the worst. When you yeah, come yeah. on, you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't bring it. Yeah, when you when you can feel it right after the set. But then again, this year I I was you know at a loss. I couldn't. Um, I never get nervous. Like I very when I do get nervous, it's about very big things or yeah. or uh, something that's a, like never never something about being in public for me. It's like uh, I get I don't get nervous for performing. I don't get nervous for that. Never really have except for maybe the first time I did stand up or when it really really matters so I was like really nervous about the showcase I was anxious this year yeah and and it was like you know what it's because and you know what it was it was because I was taking a big chance I was taking a really big chance this year I was doing a bit that I know that like when I do it elsewhere people love it when I do it like on friend shows that's the bit people end up talking about uh, but when I when I do it at a club, it gets nothing. Or when I, you know, when I when I so it's <laughs> I risky. Know. It's risky because it's 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 very self indulgent. It's a you know it's like it's a it's a bit about uh, it's an it starts off as an impression of a bear waking up after accidentally hibernating. So it's just like he went to nap and then accidentally hibernated, and he's like, oh my, what time is it? Oh my god, it's March, and you know what a dumb bear. Bears aren't people yet. And <laughs> like he's not wearing a watch, and then. I talk about how much I love that joke and how I have huge plans for that joke. And then I fast forward like 50 years into the future where I'm in my last tour as a stand-up comedian because apparently I'm doing very well. Yeah. And I just keep going and keep going. And it's like a six-minute bit of me just rolling, rolling, uh, from, rolling. Started from this bear joke. Yeah, starting from this really dumb bear thing. It's really stupid, this impression. It, like This is like – I remember when I came up with it. I was literally – this was back when I was dating someone. I was in her kitchen, like we were we were uh, making dinner, and I was like cutting up peppers, and I and I started doing like this little voice, and I was like, kind of sounds like a tired bear, you know. Like, and it oh, came from that. Like a, like a little tired bear, and that's what it was. That's what it. This, and then I was like, and then I would not stop doing that voice, and my girlfriend was like, "You're you love it, and I don't. You got to stop doing that voice." And I was like, you know what? I I have a set tonight, so I bet they're gonna love it. And they they did. This was back when I did just the impression, so it wasn't like the full bit. But now it's like, so it's like really self indulgent. It's not something that I can get away with if like I'm featuring, for example. Right. If people aren't there to see me, it won't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Except 
weirdly enough, when I opened for TIG, because they were like, they had rules. They had rules. No crowd work. I get it. TIG does a lot of crowd work. Uh, so I messaged them. I'm like, what if I'm like pretending to do crowd work? I'm not eliciting a, a response. I'm like holding the microphone out at them and I'm saying what their answer is. So I'm like, you know what? We're not going to take a chance. We're just going to say no to that. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of bits that I do that in. Even if I can't, like, even if it's not necessary, I do it subconsciously in certain yeah. bits. So I was like, you know what? The only bit that's long enough to like cover all this stuff I lost was this bear joke, and it went over well in this like fucking huge theater. That's fucking funny. And it was a I, that's another time I was really nervous, but um. Yeah, but that was big. Tig Nagaro and Tig Nataro, yeah. yeah, it was a great. It was a great. Uh, that's a whole other thing, man. Like what a can't believe that happened, but you know, <laughs> it happens. Um, yeah, I uh, then uh, so I did this. I did this bit at the showcase, and right when I start the joke, it's like I had this ringing in my ears. You know, I couldn't hear anything. It was like I couldn't. It felt like straight out of a movie. You know, I was doing the joke. I knew I was doing the joke. I was present. I was, you know, taking care of myself. I could see the audience, and like a lot of people were leaning in, eyes open, like mouth open, like they were. They wanted it. They were. They were. They wanted that joke. They wanted to know what was gonna happen. And to me, that I like, I saw that, and I was like. Even if I don't get this festival, man, I'm doing something here. Like, I feel it, you know? But uh, I was so anxious. After that set, I was like, man, nobody laughed in that bear joke. And then Ellie was like, are you kidding me? They would lost it. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Because, I like, until I got off stage, just the ringing in my ears, man. You have that tunnel vision. It was, it was uh, I man, I got lightheaded. It was weird. I, I never get that nervous, you know? But it, it was a big, I don't know why this year was um, was such a big deal. Because uh, a lot of people were feeling anxious that they normally wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I, I did something I normally wouldn't do, and I did it on a showcase. Uh, something that I had just tried on the open mic right before. Yeah. And you should never do it. No, you don't want to do something new at a showcase. A, a, a completely out of my element. It's not. It's not uh, something that I like doing. I like going in prepared. Mm-hmm. It fucking worked. I got lucky though. Good. That's not a chance you take. That's that's not, the advice. I would never give advice to somebody. Yeah, do that new fucking thing. Never, but it, it then felt... Then again, you've got the Masters of the Riff. you got the Chris Sandifer and Daniel Karen. There you go, yeah. Going up riffing for a minute and then going into material. I mean, it felt good. I said, fuck yeah. it, let's go. It worked. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, buddy. It worked out. But no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it was it was different this year, but it's weird how the universe works. You don't expect certain things and they come to you, mm-hmm. right? Like the TIG, the TIG thing you were talking about earlier. I got a phone call the night before. And you know? you, you're like, fuck it, of course. Yeah, but that that came with its own can of worms with the whole uh, Trana supposed to open for... I don't know about this. You don't know about this? No. Um, Blue Skies Turn Black, the production company that hired TIG, yeah. sent TIG's people a list of comics to choose from and links or whatever. Right. And uh, apparently they were doing their own research as well, like through comics that they know in LA and talking to people. Yeah. And um, so Blue Skies... trying to pump the show out we're like look it's a week before we got to pick somebody to open for her uh we're just gonna go ahead and pick ourselves no answer from tig's people they choose trana sensible choice trana wintour is a solid comic she's got a great following and an amazing stage presence she she belongs on stages like that okay? okay cut to i'm having uh i'm having dinner with uh buddy travis cannon uh, good old bud, uh, and I get a phone call from from an LA number, and uh, like, is this Mike Crows? I'm like, yeah. What's going on? It's like, hey, uh, so our, uh, 
would you like to open for Tignataro tomorrow night? And I was like, uh, yeah, I would. I really, <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely would. Th- yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what uh, did you? And he was like, well, look, I mean, uh, we um, we've been doing a lot of research, and I know it comes late last minute, but we really liked what you, what we saw. Uh, we got it. I don't know if you. There's this comic, Toronto comic now in LA, Nick Flanagan. Apparent, apparently, Flanny was talking to them, and uh, he, he mentioned he you. mentioned me. Uh, like he gave them a list, and he was like, "This is the guy. You gotta you gotta watch this guy." And they agreed, which was awesome. But um, but I I was like, so, um, but I thought Trano was opening for Tig, and they kind of, in retrospect, now were kind of like vague about it. So I just. T- took it like okay, we're both opening for Tig. Yeah, maybe it's they're, a double. Yeah, uh, they're not gonna they're not gonna drop Trana after announcing it. You know, Trana sells tickets too, mind you. You know what yeah. I mean? And then uh, you know, two hours before the show, I'm nervous already, so I'm walking to the venue. This is early. <laughs> this is like you know, I parked uh, I park uh, downtown. And I'm walking towards Saint Laurent from Guy, like taking a long thirty minute walk just for myself, like in a enjoy like the it's like fallish okay, like, yeah, it's yeah. nice out you know and uh i'm on facebook i check my phone and trana posts this huge thing like hey so uh due to some some sort of thing i'm no longer opening for tignataro and like mind you i like i got the pacings that morning uh i got i got a message from them saying like hey so you're on at eight fifteen. Uh, shows at eight. You're on at eight fifteen. Take on at eight thirty. You introduce her using this. I'm like, great. So Trana's gonna do fifteen m- before me. I'm gonna do fifteen before Tig. I get to bring yeah. up Tig, and I also have a friend that's gonna be freaking out backstage with me, or who's at least gonna be able to like, if yeah, I'm you're being not too alone. Much, yeah. yeah, if I'm being too much of a fanboy or like a a, a nut nutcase back there, I want I want somebody I know to kind of give me the eye and be like, calm calm the fuck down. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. And I was like, you know what? I'm so happy I get to share this with Trana. And then like two hours before the show, man, I read that whole thing. And I'm like, I start sweating. Oh, oh man. I start sweating. Talk about, you know, the Dolly Zoom and like Hitchcock movies? Yeah, when it just comes. Oh, just, just like, you. oh, it felt like that. But in real life, man, oh, it was fuck. just such a f- weird feeling. And it was also like, you, I can tell this is going to like, some people are going to talk shit about me. Yeah, obviously. Thinking that I undercut her. And it was like. Oh man, no, no, and I'm and I'm like, you know what? I got to get my head in the game. I got to do this set. I'd been like rehearsing the set, which is something I never do. I never rehearse a set. I just like put the bullet points down. I know my bits. I go in and do them. Uh, but that day, I was like, I need to know what the order is. I need to make sure it's fifteen flat. I need to memorize our intro. I'm not reading off a card. This is gonna be professional. And uh, and and then like the I, I read that message I was like oh no it no, fucks no. with your head oh it was such a it was such a um, it's a mind it was it was a gut shot man and like it hit me right and, like I was winded it was like it was such a dis like and then I start texting Trana and she's just like real cool about it she's like the first of all Trana is the coolest person yeah because she understands it got nothing yeah. to do with you yeah yeah you you you're not in charge yeah of she, the she knows yeah. but then again a lot of people don't like I heard I heard secondhand that people were talking shit. And you know but what? But how can it? Po- this is what I understand: is how can it possibly be your fault? Well, here's I don't know. I don't know. Here's look. I don't. I don't care that people were talking shit. I did get to do the gig, and you know what? It's a big deal it's for just me. Logical. 
Yeah, it, it's it's um it's one of those things that if you think about it, like if I had said no, somebody else would have said yes. Yeah, no shit. And if they were really looking for somebody, it felt like a political move, you know, ultimately. Like they were like, uh, Blue Skies picked Trana. Well, we're not going to pick the person you picked. We have to have the power, you know. And so it feels kind of like Trana was like a casualty of that situation. And I don't like that at all, you know. But it, it ended up working in in some way in my favor in terms of an opportunity, uh, and you know, Trana and I were great. Like I, you know, we're buds. I love working with her anytime I can, and just like hanging out with her. Man, she's so fucking good. Uh, but I was really like looking forward to being like in that green room with her and being like, just to have any friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but then that gig, man, it was a good time, and uh, that was the other time I was nervous. I haven't been really nervous until the stakes are like huge. Like then again, I think that was because it was my first theater. You know, my first like big. I don't know how many seater, like just a theater with a balcony, like huge, you know, and it was uh, crazy. Jeez. Yeah, it was a great show, and um, yeah, holy shit, that's the last time I was nervous before these JFL auditions. What do you, you think know? about the JFL this year? What do you think? You think any of us are gonna get something? Uh, you know what though, I, I, I can never tell, you know, I. Uh, last year they were really cool with how many people got on the festival, but uh, I was I was not one of them. You know I wasn't one of the people that got on, up until, you know apparently ZooFest, uncoordinated as, as ever, uh, neglected to add the Theater St Catherine shows to their schedule for the week that I was in a show with Darren, Ellie, and John, and so. I had to go to the office and get our badges. And I had to go to, like, Darren ha- had to call them. I had to go over and be like, hey, you know how we have a show in ZooFest? You guys aren't there, and you're pretending that the premiere is next week. We have a show there now. They're like, oh, well, okay, well, you want the sandwich board to put outside the venue? I was like, yes, we'd like that. We'd also like the backdrop to say ZooFest yeah. off JFL. They were like, okay, great. Well, you can go pick this up at, and I was like, No. Hold on a second. Why do you think I'm going to go pick this up? We are we are invited to be on this festival. This is supposed to be taken care of. It was super disorganized and I and I felt super insulted. But then, you know, we made it work. The shows were great. You know, for for a show that had no support from the festival it was on, you know, Zoofest off JFL. Um is it uh, we had a hot house every night? Is it run completely independently? Is that why? Sort of. It's like it's it's in the same building. Okay. But independently run so yeah. different people different. yeah interesting anyway um man it was uh it was it was a frustrating experience but being able to have finding out that my zoo fest badge was actually a zoo fest off jfl badge allowed me to you know still see some shows yeah. and then luckily because because i've been involved in comedy for so long and been such a fan and not been afraid to kind of just like go up to a comic I like and say, hey, you're really funny. Let's talk for a bit. Uh, you know, that that's benefited me in a big way. You know, Sean Patton years ago, hilarious comic based out of New York from New Orleans. Great comic. I love this guy. You know, he was out in uh, he was here in Montreal. Man, I must have been my first year stand up my second year. Like this was four or five years ago. Right. I see him do a set he annihilates so hard so hard it's a triple threat show it's uh uh brandon oh 
No, who was it? I got the name right here. I know it's <laughs> Ali. Ali Wong closed it out. That's oh, for shit. sure. Um, it that's already a heavy hitter. Yeah, but this was back when she wasn't. You know what I mean? Uh, Ali Wong closed it out. Sean Patton went second, and it was uh, ah man, it was. He does the Bone Zone. It's Brendan Brendan Walsh. Uh, I think he's an Atlanta guy. Very funny guy. Bone Zone with uh, Randy Lidke. Um, so Brendan does a great set. Sean goes on and does stuff that I can only aspire to ever get to. Like I'm not saying like that's exactly what I want to do, but it's 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 close enough in theory in um, in spirit to what I hope to be able to accomplish in comedy. And he does it in such a way that I'm like, oh, great, this guy exists. I don't have to do comedy anymore. Uh, I just felt that immediately. I tell him that. He's like, you're, like, you're a kid that's nuts. You're only going to get better. You're hanging out with me. So we hung out a bunch throughout that festival. You know, We ended up partying a couple times. And like, I saw a set a few more times at pl- different places. I went to New York last year. I bump into him at the stand. I, I went to the stand every night just to be like, hey. My name is Mike. These people said that I should get a spot, but they're not here now. I know. Once they're here, they'll vouch for me. You know, just putting in the work, right? Yeah. And, like, not to be – not like not to – you know, the point is that the kind of the, the, the main guy of that club is the guy that's like, you got to come do my club, right? So I'm kind of just trying – I know I'm going to get a spot eventually. I'm just trying to make sure that it happens. Uh, and on my way there, I bump into Sean, and we haven't seen each other in four years. And he's like, Mikey. I'm like, no fucking way. Perfect. You know, we end up hanging out until like 4 a.m. the next two nights. I love this guy to bits. So he comes to Just for Laughs this year. He's like, I've got a guest pass. It's yours. And I'm like, thank you so much. This ends my time interning uh-huh. at Just for Laughs. Now they can stop looking at me like some intern. Look at me, somebody who can actually do some damage in the comedy scene actually perform, but also, you know, be around. I was also lucky enough that um, I had a Fringe show last summer, and there was a Best of the Fringe show that happened on Off JFL. I got to do that, got another badge because of that. This time it was an Off JFL badge, so it was a little different. And that it's weird that they don't have, like, this synchronicity between their badges. It was a little... Yeah, that is, yeah that is odd. Um, ultimately... I, you know, know a couple people in, in, in comedy. And, you know, Jermaine Fowler was around. He was like, are you busy tomorrow night? I was like, I was thinking about coming to see your show because I'm not going to be able to see it any other day. He's like, you're opening for me now. Great. Uh, I went to see Amy Abramson's uh, Seven Minutes in Purgatory. And because another comic couldn't make it in time and they really needed somebody for that last slot, uh, he pulled me out of the audience and he was like, I've never seen you do stand-up, but, you know, You've already like you're here, so I yeah. believe in it. And then I ended up doing great. And it was a weird, it's a weird show I've always wanted to do. And I got to cross, like unexpectedly, got to cross it off my list. So did I do the festival last year? No question mark. Like I did some shows in the festival, but I didn't get the it. festival. You got and to enjoy it as a comic, though. Yeah, I did. That's the best part. Yeah, and that's what I I hope to be able to achieve again this year. Whether it's you know, officially. Yeah, it would it would be nice. It would be 100% nice to be able to be uh, like, hey, you, you know, everybody in the city I grew up in, I'm leaving this summer. But before I leave, I'm actually in the biggest festival in comedy. And you know what? This time 
I like I earned it not only in the eyes of my peers, but in the eyes of the people putting it together. And that's something that I really want to achieve. You know, it's one of the for me that it's the it's it's not, it's not the end goal because I would I would not stop there, but it's one of those things that if I would get, I know that emotionally it would affect me. Like I'd be like taken aback if I if I would make it to a festival. Oh yeah, I know that it would be something that I wouldn't be able to hold back. I'd be like, oh my. Oh, God. I'm gonna cry tears of yeah. joy if I get an email from Zoe yeah, saying, "Hey, exactly. we want you for the Montreal yeah. show." I wouldn't I'll, be able to. I wouldn't be able to contain it. Which I'll is amazing that we have still have these things. Isn't it amazing yeah. you still have something that you could get and it'll turn you into a fucking child? Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. I mean. Then again, I'm you know you give me a Reese's peanut butter cup, I'll probably do that. Anyway. I'll be happy as well, but not, not like because this is something that we've been striving for for years, right? We got into the game and we always saw it We're as comics. Our we NBA want validation. Championships. Yeah. This is the ultimate validation. Yeah, you know, I I um I I love I love this festival so much. I grew up watching it. I grew up volunteering it. I interned there. I was in different positions. I cleaned up messes. I made some messes. I like. I've been part of this festival in a very small way in the last six years, right? This year, you know, I'm not saying I got it. I'm not saying that it's, you know, it's in the cards given that we we did the showcase. Yeah. But holy fuck, how crazy would it be if I got homegrown? You know what I mean? I think about that and I'm like, no, my set's not tailored for a homegrown set. That's not what they want to showcase. What do they want to showcase on see, homegrown? See, that's the thing. I don't know, but I'm protecting myself by saying like I don't. Yeah. You know. Yeah, okay, I see. You know, because I don't know. And uh, then I watch somebody like Steve Patrick Adams tear the house down in that showcase, and it's like great bits. Or I'll see Jacob Greco be a sillier, a sillier little boy. You know, uh, just like fucking crushing DJ Mausner. Like, having the set of a lifetime, just like at this showcase, it's unbelievable how much talent there is concentrated in this city, yet this city only sees, like, this city sees 90, 95% of its attendance in a span of two weeks, and it's not even for the people that are from here. And when <laughs> the people are from here, and then you have, like, that one show or, like, the three Montreal shows, does it really go to the people who represent the scene at that point or right. not? You know? I mean, no, not this is no slight on say, uh, you know, uh, Mike Patterson, for instance. Uh, but has he been? I haven't seen him in the English side of comedy uh, around the scene frequently. Well, now he's on the French. He's side. He's on the French side a lot yeah. more, right? But if you put him on the Montreal show, I'll be like, I get it. But at the same time, like, look at look at this guy who's been grinding it out, who's fresh, who's like a new person for the industry to see. You know, put put. Put them in, coach. Like, yeah, yeah. Or, or you've got like David Pride. David Pride is a fixture of Montreal comedy. Say what you will. David Pride is a, is a legend. I've said on this podcast repeatedly. David Pride is probably David Pride is in my top ten comics ever. Me too. Right. David Pride is probably the number one comic in Canada, and that's only he because is. that's only because I think Deb DiGiovanni might like snag it from him a little bit. No, no, he's I, number one. David Pride is an amazing comic. We can agree on that one hundred percent. David Pride, one of the best. He is still hitting mics here in town. Yeah. He lives here. He'll do any dumb show that you propose to him yep. as long as he gets that stage time. He did my show at the works, figure it out. Uh, I'll, it was difficult to riff with him because I, you know, his stuff is so airtight even when it's not done. You know, it's, but it was, it was still like, come do my show. It was like, great. I'll be, I'll be there. I, this is Montreal. Let's be Montreal comics. Oh, you know, it's amazing. So having him on the Montreal comedy show, the Montreal show, makes total sense to me. You know, but um, 
seeing seeing that lineup at the at the works, the showcase that that I was very fortunate to be on. You had the likes of, you know, the ladies and gentlemen boys, Daniel and Chris. You had uh, Jacob Greco, DJ Mauser, John St. Goodhart, Steve Patrick Adams, like these amazing comics who went up and delivered amazing sets. And like, not to toot my own horn, I've been waking up and listening to the beginning of my set from that night, like since, because it puts me in the greatest mood. I it's, like that. It's like, it's one of those sets, I think I had maybe one of the best sets of my life at that showcase. And I feel like if they do the Montreal show, they're going to have to discuss. They're going to have to... My name's going to have to be mentioned at some point, probably. Even if it's like, what about Mike? And they'll be like, no. And then, well, at least one person... Said, what about Mike? Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think... I think that's a big thing. I don't know if there's going to be a Montreal show. They didn't have one last year, right? They had one the year they before. They had one last year. They didn't have one the year before? They was had, it last year? Was it last they year? had them the last two years. Really? Yeah. Which one was the year where they fucked up and they didn't advertise it till the last day? Good question. I think it was two years ago where it finally came back and they announced it last minute. Uh, tickets weren't... Be- it wasn't promoted anywhere. I don't remember. Uh, and the turnout wasn't great because of that. I think people weren't happy. I honestly don't remember. And it's like... it's it Again, it's not... That festival's huge, right? Yeah. But then again, they have such a big focus on the American comics, the guests, the comics that they bring in, the bigger names that they want to like really champion this festival. Like they want to be like, look at this guy, and it's like just that person's face will bring in three hundred people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they want that person to feel like this is the best time of their life. Come on back, you know. Uh, we're not the focus, and you know what? That's fine. Makes sense. It makes sense. Look, yeah. it's Canadian comedy. How like? Dude, it's only in the last like three years that American comics have been like, dude, do you know Deb DiGiovanni? I'm like, do I know Deb? Di- do yeah. I know someone who's been famous in my country for like the last 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> do I know somebody that I've watched on TV since I was a teenager? Yes, I do. Am I fortunate enough to be like, Deb is a buddy and I can reach out to her and be like, you're killing it out there whenever somebody mentions her. Yeah. And to the point where like now it's every American comic in LA that I know will ask me, like, do you know Deb? And I'll be like, of course I know Deb. She tears the house down. Let me predict what you're about to say. You had to follow her. You had the hardest set in your life. You still had a fun time, but holy shit, it was great watching her. She's amazing. There's no more roof at that venue. They're under construction now. <laughs> Deb is out in L.A. destroying. She's having fun, yeah? She's destroying. And it's like, it's, it's like finally, you know? Finally. Yeah. Americans are talking about it. And all I want is for her to be able to fucking... Like, make, like, get that money, make that money, enjoy, like, living a real life from her being this big and, like, and actually maybe hit that next level of being visibly big. Like, not, like, like, being, gaining that visibility of, like, being a Canadian. She's visibly big. She she still does the, she still does the, um, uh, the match game stuff and all that. So she's still doing it. In Canada, though. In oh Canada. yeah, there's another one in the there's states. There's one in right. the states that they yeah. rebooted, but there's where's uh, where's Deb DiGiovanni and Andy Kindler? Yeah, you know, it's true. Kindler's on the Canadian one. Yeah, he is. That's hilarious. Yeah. I was uh, it was Deb DiGiovanni and Sean Cullen. Sorry, Sean, I, I, Cullen. I saw, Sean Cullen was on every episode. But Kindler was on it too. He was on a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. I went to a taping. It was great. Yeah, it was fun. Nobody makes me laugh like Kindler. He's he's funny. Him. Yeah, I, I don't think he even understands how funny he is. Oh, I think he does. He's yeah. gotta. He's gotta. Andy Kindler is my favorite. My favorite. Oh, uh, really? Nobody makes me. Here's the thing. If 
you know how in Friends they do this like quiz in one of the episodes, the one with the embryos. It's like, what's Rachel's favorite movie? Okay. Uh, Dances with Wolves. What's Rachel's actual favorite movie? Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. Right? My favorite comic, Kyle Kinane. From a theoretical standpoint, from me listening to his album, from me knowing his work, Kyle Kinane is my favorite stand-up on the books. But I have seen Kyle perform and like not been actively engaged before. Right. There has not been a single conversation I've listened to, been part of, set I've witnessed of Anley Kindler's where I'm not entirely doubled over with laughter. Uh, my face red flush with the happiness of being able to get to see this legendary man do what he does and still find a way to like break a format, to, to find a way to... Oh, my God. Andy Kindler is, to me, what... The the best example of comedy. To, to Andy Kindler is the funniest person on the planet. Interesting. But Kyle Kinane's my favorite comic. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's hilarious though. I haven't seen Carl, uh, Kyle Kinane in a while. Uh, Kinane's great, man. I, I, you, what is he up to? His uh, his last special was unbelievable. Loose in Chicago. That so was good. good. So good. Loose in Chicago was unbelievable. I was in Austin when I listened to it for the first time. It came out. I put it on my phone. And I was like, uh, I told my friend, I was like, I'm going to go meet somebody for brunch. And they're like, great. Do you need a ride? I was like, no. They said, it says it's like five minutes away. And it uh, turns out Austin's not a walking town. No, not at not all. Not at all. So I ended up walking for an hour, listening to Kyle's special, uh, walking through Austin towards this breakfast this But you were having spot. fun, though. You know what? That hour whizzed by. It's a masterful special, man. He's really... Kinane is an unbe- he's an unbelievable writer. He's so strong. And fuck, there's this bit on the album where he talks about it's so early on the album. It's so early in the special too. You just gotta download it. Download down first of all, download anything Kyle Kinane's released. You got Death at the Party, a uh, Death of the Party, Whiskey Icarus. I like this old Whiskey stuff Icarus, better. Uh Sold Out, Suck It is an EP. And then Loose in Chicago. But all of them are fantastic. But on Loose in Chicago, he talks about going on the Jack the Ripper tour in London, right? So he's on this tour. And he's at the end of this, like, gets to this point in the tour where the tour guide's like, and this is where Jack the Ripper is, a, like, is said to have slain his five victims. And Kyle's like, five five we've been twisting our ankles on cobblestone for five i know it's not a great place to well up with civic pride but five we get that daily <laughs> <laughs> oh man it, it, i'm doing such a disservice to the bit, i get but, where it's going though. It is, but it's fuck like, yeah it's so it's kyle kinane smart. man yeah. kyle kinane is just a way of saying like it's it's a, it's a weird time to well up with civic pride. Oh my god. Oh fucking guy. Jesus. You're loving this. I love it. I could I could go all day about Kyle Kinane. Do you want me I'll do I'll try to do my best y- impression. Y- yeah, uh, it'll be I'll, like I'll I have him. Kinane on the show. <laughs> what well, what you've been uh we talked at the nest backstage uh yeah. over the weekend. Uh Good I'll, show, fun show. It was fun show. Yeah, well, I was sad to hear though you told me that you got robbed. Right when your car was broken into. Oh, this was like a year ago in May. Yeah. That's fucked up though. It sucks. It sucks. 
Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, it was uh, it was right around the time that the Fringe Festival was about to happen, and all my notes for the show I had planned were in a backpack in the back seat, and uh, underneath the front seat was another backpack with a bunch of uh, my Magic the Gathering cards that I had been collecting since for I was years. 10. years, yeah, that's oh, the thing. Buddy, a lot of really valuable stuff in that bag. Uh, if I, I just I started to list off a couple of decks of mine just to go after what I had and see like what I can rebuild and it was just like some of these decks I'll never rebuild because it's already like $2500 for one deck and there were 10 in there plus a box of like rare cards that were so it was um yeah it's it's tough it sucked and um but now now that I think about that moment I'm like I I laugh a little bit because um that weekend I was uh, that that show was a Sunday show. It was a one-off show. Brooks Whelan happened to be in town, so David at the Nest worked out a gig for him, and I was gonna host, which is so great because I, I found out that I found out that night that Brooks asked for me, which is really cool. Brooks apparently like he just likes what I do, and he's a good dude. We got dinner before the show, uh, had some fun, went back to my cor- car to get my my backpack, and window smashed in. It's all gone. And first thing Brooks does is he pulls out his cell phone. And films me reacting to this happening. And and he's like, buddy, you're going to hate me now, but you're going to laugh so much at this later. <laughs> and uh, and he was right. It's pretty funny now to just imagine just Brooks Whelan being like, I don't know what to do right now, so I'm going to take a picture of you because that's how I express myself. He loves photography, man. His Instagram feed is really cool. But that was, you know, what's fucked about that is that you were collecting those cards for years. That was part yeah. of your, part of your history, right? Part yeah, of something yeah. you love. I mean, I was in and it out. Was taken away from. Oh me. yeah, I was in and out of the game for a long time. Like I didn't, it wasn't consistent. But you know, but it that, was something that I played a lot. You know, Magic's still going strong. The cards are valuable. I still play. Yeah. There's still uh, big tournaments. Constantly. You ever join a tournament? Not a tournament. No, I go every now and then. I, I play with a group of guys. We play this one format called Commander. It's a singleton format, so it's like you can only have one copy of each card except for the basic land cards, which are kind of your, like, resources, um, and you, you have to have it. it. There's a bunch of rules. It's called Commander. If you're interested, look it up, Magic the Gathering, Commander. There's a bunch of rules. I like this format a lot, and so I have a group of friends that I play Commander with. We're, like, anywhere between, like, like six main guys and then, like, Ten, depending on that who's rotate. reading, depending on who's reading the the group chat. You know what I mean? Because every there's like seventy people in that group chat, and a lot of them have muted us. But the, we're like we're the active ten, <laughs> you know. And so I joined this group maybe a year. It was maybe maybe six or seven months before my car was broken into. So this was like, and um, I joined this group because I was on uh, anti anxiety and depression meds at the time, and they. They'd done what they were supposed to, and then um, I was speaking to my doctor. He was like, when you recognize these side effects, it means that it's taking on a different, and you have to you have to decide whether or not you want to keep going with them. And I was like, you know what? Let's take me off of them for a bit. I think I have a way to kind of just figure stuff out. And so what ends up happening now is if I'm ever anxious or uh, just, like, need to get my mind off of something, I will pull out my deck of magic cards and, like, you know, make some cuts or like, play, yeah, or just yeah. like goldfish, you know, goldfish playing against yourself or yeah. like look into some things. Like I have this. So the idea is like to pull something away from an emotional thing, go towards a logical thing, really like allow myself to breathe and all that kind of stuff. So when I lo- lost all my cards, that was a huge, that was the 
very devastating. Like, I almost had a panic attack for the first time in a year uh, that time. But now I play cards with these guys, like, almost every week, you know, and uh, I've seen them on Sunday, actually. I'm pretty excited. Nice guys? Very, yeah. They're all, like, different dudes. Like, one, one dude's an engineer. The other guy works for a video game company. You know, I, you know, I'm a comedian. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a yeah. motley crew. Yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a weird arrangement of dudes, but like it's just cool to be able to sit down with guys that like, I I you know I don't really know very well you know, but I go to their house and I like hang out, I, you know I play with their cat a little bit and then we pull we pull out our cards and we play some games you know, it's um, I like moving puzzles you know that's what it is. Do Do you find that that's your zen? Uh, for the week at least, though, that's what kind of recenters you, and you're like, all right, I'm back to normal. It's the only non-work, non-comedy thing I have going right now. Okay. I, uh, you know, most of the people that I enjoy in my life tend to be comedians, and so I, if I hang out with people, they're usually comedians, or I'm going to a comedy show, or uh, I'm reading about comedy, I'm watching comedy, I'm, you know, uh, writing, I'm, I'm working, yeah. uh, or, or I'm, I'm like playing music, but usually lately it's led to me. I don't know, making theme songs for podcasts of like buddies of mine that that need a thing or two, you know. Yeah. So, right now it's just been. That's the only thing I have. That's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out tonight. And it's not gonna be comedy. It's not gonna be work. I'm just gonna pull out this deck of a hundred cards, and we're just gonna play. And then once that's over, maybe I'll switch it up, choose another deck. But I know that we're gonna play this game that I grew up playing. You know, and ever since it's kind of worked out that I don't like I'm not on the medication anymore and I, okay. I can see things coming when they do and I know how to take care of myself. It's been really working out great. Did, did you find that when you were on the medication it affected your writing? Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely did. Negatively? Uh, not entirely negatively. It kind of left me dry. It left the emotion out of it. Um, I recognized that when I was performing a bit, I wasn't as invested like, it, it was little things. Little things that people don't notice except for me. Or, yeah. like, you know, I'll have... I mean, you know you know what I do. I'm a real... I'm, like, a, I'm a weirdo. I like to be a silly person. And you're alive out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm out there, you know? And I, I like to... If, if, a, if a bit requires me to become a character for, like, 30 seconds, but this character is crying about something, I'm going to cry. I need to be able to get there. If yeah. this character is feeling genuine, like fear, or or I I need to tap into that to really make the joke pop. Like it's it's a it's a bit. It's it's real. It might be close to theater of cruelty, but it's real. You know. Right. So, I noticed that that took a dip when I was on meds, and then, uh, you know the the other stuff is like you know you your appetite is curbed. So I lost a bunch of weight, which was like great for me yeah like, you're like oh this is a positive <laughs> yeah I'm this is the this. one thing but it was like uh, food wasn't tasting great you know and i was like well you know i missed i missed tasty food oh it changed it affects the taste it, it affected the taste a little bit it was it was not it was not major it was noticeable and then obviously like this uh, like it, the dick stuff was you know uh, which D- is, does it affect your dick yeah well it was kind of like you know who wants to hear about this? You know what I mean. <laughs> still, I, it, it was it, uh, it's fucked up. That it, it, it it wouldn't affect it in the way that like I couldn't get it up. It was more in that um, no matter how great things were, it it would never culminate in a point. It would just always be like, look, uh, I had fun. Uh, you might not be able to tell that I had fun, but I did. But I did. Uh, my medication is just not letting me 
uh, show you that I'm having fun. The antidepressants are inadvertently making you that much more depressed. <laughs> Just a bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a it was a combination anti anxiety anti depressant, which I mean you know me we've, we've known each other for several years I'm pretty high strung but still somehow projected chillness. Yeah. So so like yeah. while I am kind of like low key I'll have these bursts of mania or like. But that's always bubbling underneath, you know. That's what I have here. You're low key agitated. Oh, just all, yeah. just agitated. I'm just agitated, you know. But um, so this this medication was great for like the anxiety stuff, uh, the depression stuff. Like was just was second tier. It wasn't so much that I was depressed that that I was just like, kind of like like I don't want to use the word triggered. Uh, I was. But you will. Off, no, I was offset. I was like, uh, I was uh, affected. Buy things differently than I'm regular, uh, than yeah. I expected, and it was like, uh, it was. Uh, let's see. I'd never had panic attacks in my life up to a certain point, when I started having them in public, to a point where I could sense when I could sense one coming on. I knew. What would I, you do if you sense one coming on? What's your defense mechanism? How do you stop it? Breathe. Recognize that there's that's a panic attack. You know it's a panic attack, uh, and you know that it's literally it's nothing. You're safe. You've been through this okay. before. A panic attack is basically your body saying, you're dying. Your, your brain saying you're dying. Really? Your brain is like, you're dying. You're going to die. This is, it's all over. It's done. You're oh, a panic attack is it thinks the, the end is the worst, nigh. The like worst. Yeah, it, so it's like, hey, oh, well, it's kind of like, it's literally, it starts off as like, this is what's happening. Oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. Oh, what if the next step is you die? You're dying. Okay, you're dying. You're dying. Okay, we got to tell the rest of you that you're dying. We got to tell your legs, you're dying. Your legs are dying. Your legs, you got to die. You're going to oh, die now. Oh, shit. So the thing is, like, if you're having a panic attack and you've been through one before and you sense it before, like, the same one, the same thing kind of thing, you can, you can kind of just tell yourself, it's like, look, I came out on the other side of this. I'm not, yeah. gonna, I'm not dying. I'm not dying. I'm going to be fine. Take a second for yourself. Lie down. Elevate your legs. You know. But I haven't had any close, not in a while, you know. And, uh. Yeah. That's uh that's been a long time. I haven't had uh I haven't had panic attacks. Sometimes what I get what I'm guilty of is uh anxiety. Like I get very anxious sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um and it comes sometimes out of nowhere. Like I, I have to think about it. I'm like what the fuck is making me anxious? Things could be going really well. Mm -hmm. I'm like what is making me anxious? And it's just you know that that like uh Oh yeah. that knot right in the center of your chest. Yeah. And it's just right under your heart, you know, like right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get that a lot. It happens. Like, it's just anxiety. And it's, it's inexplicable. But a lot of times, for me, the stage is what helps. Um, I, oh, yeah. I do a set, and then I'm fucking on cloud nine. I'm like, all oh. right, I'm back to normal. I exactly. figured this out. If you're, if you're, if stand-up isn't helping you in any way, <laughs> you'd have stopped a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's therapy. It's, in a way, yeah. But it's also, it's like, <laughs> man, what I would give to be able to have a regular fucking life, you know? <laughs> It's it's a compulsion too, you know. Yeah, it it's is. It's like, hey, I can't, I can't. Like, there are people I know who go to the same building every day, at the same time, work for the same clients or kinds of clients, put together little documents, have a meeting here and there where nothing is really said, and that's their day. And then they go do it over and over again for five days in a row. They get back to it after a two day break. That's it. That's their job. They're in the they're, they go to this box yeah. for eight hours a day, and I just I would be like 
Oh, it would take so little time for me to like blow my brains out. Yeah, lose your fucking mind. Yeah. Oh, if I'm not at least, if I'm at a desk job, I can guarantee you that I am at least writing something on the side or looking something up that that'll make me feel like I'm productive in another way. Like I need, I need some sort of like creative output. Yeah. Or nothing gets done. You know, even when I was in school, for me to be able to do any assignments, it would have to be fun in some way for myself. I remember having to do this essay. I remember having this English professor when I was, I used to study English Lit and then I switched over to theater. And this was like such a shot in the dark. I can't believe I pulled this shit. But I go see professor. I'm like, hey, these essay topics are literally what we've been talking about for like the last couple of weeks. And it kind of feels like stupid for me to just regurgitate garbage. So what if I instead take this theme and apply it to this this book and write about that? And they were like, she, she was like, no, it's got to be one of the topics. I was like, okay, great. What's your policy in terms of like if I don't hand in, if I don't hand in an essay or an assignment, is that an automatic failure? She's like, yes. I'm like, if I hand in an essay with my name on it, the title of the essay, but no other words, is that considered handing in an assignment? She's like, I guess technically. I'm like, good, that's all you're getting. That'll bring me down to essentially a failing grade. How much the final exam being worth like 40%. And like me being, I have a great memory. I'm very, like, that's what I, that's what I pretty much banked on for a lot of academia. I, uh, you know, because I couldn't have a fun way to do something and instead don't want to waste my time to be like, look, this is your ideas that I'm putting on a paper and putting my name on. Yeah. You know, I would rather, I would rather risk failure. Yeah. Then, you know, you'd rather risk failure in her world than fail in yours. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a psychopath. That's a sociopathic way to think. Not really though. Cause yeah. you're still, you basically, you're, I don't know. It's not even a matter of pride. It's more conviction. Like, like this is I can't do this. It's not me. At least you're 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 mature enough to admit it, and you don't want to waste your time. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want to waste hers. She's got to read that essay, and she's gonna see her own ideas on her own sheet. She'll be happy. Yeah, and that's like. But then again, like, who wants to read that? You know, who doesn't want to read something that's new? I have a hard time watching movies I've seen before. Because I know what's coming. I can't imagine reading the same shit over and over again. Years, years. At, at 40 times. You know, like, I'll watch some movies again. Don't get me wrong. But only because I know that there are some things I've already forgotten. You know? But this this stuff that she's been teaching for years. Anyway, I was like, 40% of my final grade is this final test. How much, what would my grade need to be for me to at least pass the very minimum? She's like, you need a 92 on the final. To pass, and uh, right now, as it stands, you're failing. I'm like, great, that's fine. Final exam, I got a 94, and I was like, fuck yeah, uh-huh. fuck you, but fuck yeah. And then there was an essay portion in it, and I just like did it my way and got the points anyway. So I was like, pretty happy with that. But that that idea of being forced into a, like forced into a box, yeah, like. There's this band called The Chariot. I love this band. They're 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 um they broke up now, but they they're an Atlanta-based band back in the day. Hardcore band, just like loud screaming. On the first 
on the first track of their album Wars and Rumors of Wars, Teach. Uh, the lyrics are Red Flag, Don't Let Them Sell You a Cage. Uh, don't Bleed for Blood That I Bled. So I like Don't Let Them Sell You a Cage. I don't like, I like to live by the idea that, sure, like there's a ton happening, but, you know, am I being boxed in? Where's my freedom? So on and so forth. Don't I'm not gonna let you sell me a cage. If if I'm okay with it, if I'm at all passive about something, then that's of my accord. But if I don't believe in something, I will have to be vocal. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't see that on stage. You see what yeah, you but, see. But that, no, no, no. But here's the thing. That's what I like is that on stage you decide. You're like, this is what it's, it's what you said before the podcast. You decide what you're going to show the world and what you're, what's going to make you have fun out there. Yeah, I don't get and, personal on no. stage. I don't uh, you know, really talk about who I am as a person. I do, but I don't know how it even... I don't even know how it even came to that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I never we decided... Yeah, I never decided, hey, I'm going to go up and talk about this. It just slowly evolved into turning into that. And that, that was my comfort zone, stories and about my life, friends. I've tried the personal stuff and then I just realized I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Uh if I, if I go up and I do, like, I remember when I started, I was like, no fat jokes. Is no, that, was that your thing? It was like, I'm not going to do, do what they expect from me. Instead, what I'd rather be is this super, like, at first I was like, I'm going to be act out heavy. I'm going to be all over the stage. I'm going to be surprisingly, surprisingly nimble and surprisingly huge for a fat guy. Like, surprisingly widespread. That's that's what I wanted. I wanted my 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 presence to be impressive in a way that was surprising, but also just like impressive in the in the meaning of like just huge. Yeah. And um, I remember that being the goal. And then recently, you know, I gained weight again, and I thought, okay, let me see if I can come up with stuff that I like about being a big guy. You know, this isn't like this is going to be more personal. It's going to be this. And then I realized it's not for me. And I yeah. went back to being like, could you imagine, uh, wait, what if the sun had arms? Like, what, what would that, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's not even a big yeah, yeah, but that's what. But you find what you're good at, what you like. I, I, I often realize, I see comics, and sometimes they try to leave their comfort zone in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. They want to explore and they get better. Sometimes they want to fit into another box because they feel like that's where they belong, and they yeah. don't. And I see and at comics, and sometimes I'll tell them, be like, ah, you were doing so well with these topics, you know? This isn't you, you know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't feel right out. It feels forced. When you can tell where where the impetus comes from to try that kind of thing, that's not them. Yeah. If, like, you just watch the Bill Burr special. And you're, you're going and up there somebody, and be, yeah, yeah, I've seen that happen, and I'm like, ugh, you're, like, it hey, feels so forced. Yeah, dude, you're not Bill Burr. No. There's only one of him. Yeah, my oh. favorite, by the way, that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I had a hard time with the first uh, the first little bit of that special the new the one the new one I had a hard time with the first like little like the first couple of you mean you didn't enjoy it or you just had a hard time with the topics I didn't enjoy it ten the, the, it took a while for me to get in and be like okay this is where Bill is you know uh, this is where he is you know I I li I love I love his older work and I think the last special we put out the black and white one yeah whoa wow yeah you know. But um, that was a home run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bill's capable of amazing things, but um, the whole deal of being like, "Hey, look, plus side models are so brave," like that whole thing. I was like, 
man, we need you to be the voice of other things, you know? That's right. that's that's where that's where I was at. It's not so much that like, hey, if that came out a couple of years ago, I'd be like, sure. But now it's kind of like, hey, we're the world's dying. Like we're yeah, but is it his job to save it? But he does kind of make it his job later. He talks about the rest of the country in that special. He does talk about how they got to that point where like they think that that's okay. But what I'm saying is he gets to like he he. Initially, he starts with his frustrations and what he knows is might be stupid, but hey, let me talk about it because it's happening in my head. Yeah. But he brings you around. He brings you to uh, to an important place. Yeah. You, know, you can't start hard. You can't just start political and kind of shitting on your whole country. I, I That's where I'll disagree. I think if I watch that special from the point where he stops doing that stuff at the beginning, where he's just leading into the rest of the country stuff and then into the... Uh, that last bit that doesn't have an ending. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the gorilla one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I watched that as a special, I think I'd be much happier with it. I think I'd watch that and be like, okay, this is going hard right away, addressing the elephant in the room, then going to this gorilla thing. The gorilla thing was, was insane. I'm, it was really weird. It was very funny. Very. My, my girlfriend still uh, mentions it, by the way. Very uncharacteristic for him. Yeah. She still does the uh, no disrespect. with. She still yeah, does yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. The sign language thing. <laughs> yeah. Very involved for him. It's very strange. But yeah. I, I like that, though. I like the fact that, like, all right, he's not just uh, resting on what he knows. No, exactly. He's, he Here's the thing. He's, he's like, one of the best stand-ups in the world and being recognized for it, but he's still not done growing. I love it. And, you know, no one can take that away from him either. He's like, that's... That's crazy. Like the this is balls a balls yeah, of steel. Yeah. He could have rested. He could have literally re- repeated topics and kind of done his thing. He's like, "Nah. I got stuff to talk about." The fact that he still wakes up and does the Monday morning podcast 10 minutes twice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> twice a week. Yeah. I love it. Just uh, he, a rant for a bit. That's why I like him is cuz he uh his voice he sounds like the people I grew up with because he's that generation. I grew up with people just a bit older than me, yep. right? So he has that demographic. He thinks like them. He thinks a lot of topics the way I think because that's why I was around. Yeah. And in comedy, I don't see it a lot like because well, I'm, I'm weird. I, I have like these very liberal views on certain topics, these very right-wing views on other topics, yeah. and nobody fits the mold like like the way I think. Yeah, you're, but you're he a does. bit of an enigma. He does because he has the same thing. He he calls the same shit stupid. He he realizes how like the racism, yeah. how fucked up it is, and wow. but in a different way, he sees it in the same way I see it. So I'm like, fuck, this is my guy. So I hear a voice that's familiar to me in him, right? Bill Burr was the guy in high school who was in the debate club that you were like go up against and be like, this guy's arguing his my point for me, and then yeah. you realize you lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that guy. <laughs> so it's just uh, there, there's something about him. There's something about it. it. Feels for me, it's always refreshing. I feel like oh, I'm home now. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, he's 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 a master of rhetoric. He's very yeah. very solid. You know, there's look, we could spend an entire episode of a podcast talking about Bill Burr yeah. and how great he is. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, it, that could just be an entire podcast on its own. Well, yeah. what do you think about this bit? Well, this episode, we're going to yeah. talk about <laughs> we, this uh, entire bit. La- last episode, uh, I had uh, Jeffrey Applebaum on. And, and wh- how many conspiracy theories did he bring up? A couple, but we, we, <laughs> we, we got into the uh, the Eyes Wide Shut and talking about that. He, you know that he's seen that movie over 200 times? You know how long that movie is? It's here's, a long movie, bro. Here, here's my Here's my thing. First reaction, that's insane. Second reaction, oh wait, it's Jeffrey. Yeah, right. It, it makes that takes sense. commitment, man. Like it does, times. and it's also very scary. I don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> Jeff. If you're listening, I don't know how I feel about that at all. But he, he he knew a lot about it, man. Like he he schooled me. 
He fucking god well, damn, he does his research. Yeah, well, I mean, here's here's the thing about conspiracy theories. Research, there's research aplenty on certain theories, right? Yeah. Conspiracies are like the whole the whole thing is like, oh well, this means that this, right? If we go this, then then this, then that means what if? Like you, all you, this. There's the rabbit hole. You gotta be. Yeah. It's, you know what it is? It's the same thing. <laughs> I, I realized like YouTube videos. You get in that trap where you keep clicking, clicking, clicking. And you know, and you end That's up right. uh, on like weird topics. How the fuck am I watching this? Yeah. It's the same thing. If you get too involved, you lose yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, th- th- then again, that's also because we know Jeffrey, and he's had his struggle with like, like um, I don't want to say addiction, but he he gets attached to things like real easy. But so, we all we all do. We all we all have our quirks. No, I understand. I understand. But I know I know Jeffrey doesn't want to get a cell phone, like a smartphone, because he knows that the second he has that, he's going to be on it 24-7. And oh, I really? believe that. I, I, you know that's what? something about him that I believe 100%. Can he I tell you something? A, I, didn't know, I didn't know that that's the reason why, but that's fucking, that's ballsy, because I'm always telling people how I wish I was strong enough to get rid of my fucking cell phone, right? Because I'm always on it. I'm the I other way. I can't do it. I'm I the other way. It. I'm like, you know what, buddy? That's good for you, but I'm never not, I'm not... I want to. I can't. I can't get off it. I can't get off it. I need my phone. It's not. It's. 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 It's not even like. Um, it, it's become such an integral part of what I. What I do. It's where I put my thoughts to be worked out later. It's my calendar. It's my schedule. It's everything. Well, my I alarm. do put. Yeah, that's true. I do put a lot on it. It's just that I'm so. I, I feel like I'm always connected. Somebody's always trying to reach me. Yeah. So I, I. I don't feel like I get to rest. You can ignore. That's what I'm realizing. These last few years, I've been able to like allow myself to an- ignore some some requests for a while. You know, uh, I've I've learned to be okay with the the number of like little red balloons I, I, being okay. It's, there, I think you know? it's OCD. I can't. Nah, I don't know, man. I always have to check it out, and then yeah, and then again, you know, it makes sense because the, these things are designed to be addicting. But then again, coming back to the point is that of course. Jeffrey knows himself well enough, but then again, he then he gets deep into these conspiracy theories where it's a nonstop, like a well of information that's never gonna w- run dry, you know. Never. So it, it's um, I think it's 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 kind of not uh, it's what's the word? The juxtaposition of being him being so disciplined to ha- not have a cell phone li- like a smartphone, versus him being this into conspiracy theories. I think it's such a funny dichotomy. Yeah, had a hard time saying the word dichotomy. Dichotomy. <laughs> it, 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 we have a you know it's, if you if you look at the scene and you look at uh, say the main characters in, in our scene here, uh, we have an interesting bunch. Yeah, right. If you look at us, we're uh, we're definitely well, odd in well, a good way. Well, let me let me ask you this: like, mm. who, who would you consider as like the main? Because th- to be fair, like pe- like I remember we met peripherally a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And then never again for a while. And then back, you got Young Guns. And then and then seeing you more and more, you made an effort to come out to more mics. And so it, it kind of feels like Pantelis. Pantelis is this comic. We don't know if we're going to see him, when we're going to see him. And when we do, it's like, okay, he's back. What's Okay. Yeah. And it's like, and then you go up and it's like, well, he's not been gone because that's tight. So where's he been? You know, and it's kind of, it feels like we're, we're talking about fringe fringe of the comedy scene but you're definitely a part of it yeah you it's know? it's because i w- uh, there was a good while where like i said i was away but not away from comedy uh mm. like i was performing in la i yeah, was yeah. so i was always honing the craft uh and also i wasn't going to a lot of the open mics because what was happening is david was putting me on a lot of weekends 
So a lot of times I didn't want to keep, uh, you know, I wanted to shake things up, right? So I didn't, okay, I'm going to be there on Thursday, Friday. I don't want to be there on Wednesday also, yeah, yeah. you know? And I wouldn't see a lot of people because the same comics are not going to come on the nights to see every single comic that's, that's on right. the weekend, right? That's right. So it was, and then we went through the, um, we went through that phase where uh, I was at the Nest a lot and a lot of the comics were on at the works at the same time. Remember the yeah, weekends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were revolving the locals, like you said. So what was happening was I was performing, I was getting better, I was doing my thing, I, I started to meet different comics and getting, but my peers in the city were always at different shows, different venues, you know? And, and not, that's not to mention that the, there are some shows that tried to start up on like Fridays and Saturdays. And exactly. So yeah. it was always, so now I'll get to places and I'll be like, I did the art loft thing two, two weeks ago. I oh, passed by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw people there, and I had just come back from a show I was doing with Tadeo in Laval. It was Derek Sagan, me, Darren Hanwood. It's a fun show. And I get back, and people are like, "Oh, you're, you're you know, you're, you're, uh, you're here. I haven't seen you in a while, you know, on the scene." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm, I'm, I literally have, I'm doing something every week." And and like, "Oh, I never see you. I'm at McLean's all the time. I never see you there." But yeah, yeah there's but certain shows yeah. that I'm not gonna always yeah, be yeah, yeah. at. Obviously, I mean, McLean's. We can. I I I. Just, I do McLean's when I need to, or when I feel like seeing some of those guys. You know. Um, McLean's I've swapped out for my magic group you know I go play cards instead of more fun yeah it's you know it's, when else am I going to see those guys but every now and then I'll have you know like on Sunday when we had that gig I'm already out I'm already doing comedy I went to do McLean's yeah that's the, yeah there and you know? you're right you're close you're nearby yeah yeah and you know what it's fun to see there's like a a solid group of guys at that at that are always at McLean's yeah. every week that are really funny and they're doing great and they're stronger and they're getting better and better every week. And you know what? I, I, you got Jason Sellen, who's fucking doing amazing, who's a solid comic, like solid him. writer, puts in the effort. You got Amr Singh, who's like from the West Coast, figuring it out, but such a charismatic, funny guy. You got uh, Gabriel Omasi, who's just That's like my a, boy. Yeah, what a psychopath! I love yeah. him a bit. He's a he's a, he's a park exer. He's right here. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. He's also he's also one of those guys that's like. I never know what he's gonna do, and then he, his his act his act is full of what you think are mistakes, but they're so calculated, and you think, wait, I've seen him make this mistake before. Oh no way, no way! It's such an interesting thing to watch him. And then you got the one the one guy of the of, of these four that I think is somebody to really keep an eye on. Like not to mention, like keep an eye on all these guys. But one of these guys that I know I'm I'm gonna like look up, like I don't know, when I'm when I leave and we're not so much in touch, I'm gonna look up again. Dylan Subiza. Hmm. Dylan Subiza is a nut. And he reminds me of Kindler in some ways. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there, there's a there's a certain bunch that you'll see they go to specific clubs, right? Uh, a lot of the satellite rooms. Yeah. And I'll see the and not all there's certain satellite rooms that I'll go to sometimes and I'll see the the people that I don't know but they're they're on the scene, let's say, like they're, sure. they're, they're in Montreal, but that are just not I don't think are comedians. And okay. uh, they, but the thing is they don't want to come to terms with it, right? And we always get into name like, names. I, I want to name it, but honestly, it's not even. I'm not even worried Write about an argument. Paper. Write it on a paper. Yeah, it's, I want to know who we're talking. I'll about. I'll actually tell you after this because it's not even about an argument. That's not what I'm worried about. I just don't want. I know it'll f- affect them emotionally. Sure, like they're sure, gonna feel sure. bad because I've said some stuff to them in in their face, and I can see them getting sad. So there's no point in breaking hearts like that. But it's just it, it, sometimes it's horrifying. It's like you're not doing what you should be doing to be a comic, right? Yeah. And then I, I hear the worst thing that I hear them say is like. Uh, 
oh, uh, you know, you're at the comedy nest a lot. Uh, it's, it's not that good of a room. Like, I, you know, even uh, I don't do well there yeah. because the crowd's shit and this and that. And I'm like, dude, yeah. I saw your set. The set is shit. It has nothing yeah. to do with the crowd. Yeah. It has nothing to do. You'll, you'll fall once in a while on a yeah. fucked up crowd, but you can't blame the crowd for your whole career. No, exactly. You know what I mean? Here, here's, here's my thing. You, you just said there's no point in breaking hearts. To me... Like when do we get to break some hearts? You know yeah, what I mean. For this, because <laughs> mo- when I when I tell you have to name names, you're gonna realize because a lot of them you could tell are like I, you're unstable. Gonna have five. I know, I know, unstable people. I already know. Some you of know the some of them for sure. I, I know that I saw your eyes lit, lit up. Yeah. We know a lot of the same people. But here, here's here's the thing: is like there are some people who like being part of that group of people, but don't necessarily have to perform. Look, comedy needs its audiences, and yeah. you know what? They're nice enough people. You don't have to. Yeah, do an open mic sometimes, but don't. Don't go around telling people you're a comic. Yeah. Don't tell anybody you're a comedian. And then what? You represent Montreal? No, don't do that. But that's the worst. You work so hard. That's the worst. <laughs> when I'm like, really? And like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Montreal comedian, uh, this and that. And I, oh, fuck, man. Then again, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> again, as I was saying before the concept uh, podcast, the, the concept of a, a, scene. a scene is kind of like an illusion. You know what I mean? We're all independent contractors. We're, we're independent contractors, but happen to be there, there is that there is that core group. Well, there, there is because we're a small city. Yeah. It's a very small city, and there happens to be like this this shared sensibility. If you were to name like a core group, who would you name? Hundred uh, percent. If I think of core group here, uh, we're not even going to talk veterans. I'm not going to talk about Joey Elias. Sure, sure. That, those, I'm talking about no, no, us those that are guys that are, that are here by choice. So, yeah. So Applebaum, I'll think of Sanford. Um, I'll think of uh, Karen. Uh, John St. Godard, I mm-hmm. think of the core group. Um, Karotza, obviously, like us. Y- I'm, yeah, I'm like we're. That. Yeah, you're on that because <laughs> you're the people that I see around. Yeah. We're there. Um, fuck, there's a lot more. I'm not, Jacob I'm Greco. Just, Jacob Greco. And Jacob Greco has Sean been one Stenhouse, of my favorite guys. Yeah. Stenhouse. Steve uh, Patrick Adams. Chris SPA. Vendits. Vendito. Vendito. Lawrence. Walter, Lawrence. Walter. Walt, that's you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. that's the core. All these DJ people. Mausner, the people that you see. I like Mausner. Ellie. Uh, Emma Wilkie's part of that group. Emma Wilkie. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about. That core, when you think Erica of today Montreal. more and more. Yeah. No, actually, I never saw her less and less. I For a while, I've been seeing her more and more. She's always, yeah, I yeah, see yeah. her on a lot of stuff. She but, even sometimes will come out to a show just to hang out. But she does cool. that. She hangs out. She supports. She, yeah. There's a few people like that that are always coming out. So there's this core group of people that I'll, I'm like, yeah, these are Montreal comics. These are my peers. I'll yeah. think about it like that. Then there's... There's a lot of fringe type of, yeah. you know, that'll come in once in a while. I'll see them go on stage and just drop nukes in the worst way possible, right? Make oh, the room completely I thought, uncomfortable. I thought you were saying like, like, oh my no, god, no, no, destroy. no, no. When the room was hot, right, and then they'll come off and be like, "Yo, man, this fucking room's stupid. They just don't yeah, get yeah, my yeah. shit." I was like, "Yeah, it's the well, the room's the problem." Then there are people <laughs> that are just, you know, not to, you know, they don't know what the problem is, or they're not making the effort, the proper effort. You know, it, 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 but that's here's the thing: is like you're supposed to be self-aware and at a certain point, because if you're self-aware at the beginning, then you'd never do stand-up to begin with, because nobody thinks <laughs> you're funny right away, and no. no audience will let you think that you're funny right away. No, because if you do well you at the beginning, it's your friends that are in the audience. Yeah. You need to be delusional for the first little while, and then you gotta be. Then, then you gotta assess. Like, have I made any? The second progress? you realize that you need to work at it to make them laugh, that's when it's all grind. Like, you have to grind or oh, be crazy. Man. And even even calling it a grind is like I think is unfair to the work that you do because not only like you're grinding, sure, you're 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 essentially you're going hard no matter what, but that grind is fun. 
Like yeah, okay, I see what you're saying by calling it a grind. Yeah, yeah. it is fun, but there is the, there are those. Mo- yeah, I'm having fun. I have only... a puzzle, so I'm like, fuck, why did I put that in front? No, I should have done this. I should. So yeah, it is yeah, a puzzle, yeah. but it is it is nerve wracking at some points. You're like, oh, why did I do this? No, well, I should have done this. No, think right. about it like this. You're, um, you know, grind. I think the expression grind is essentially used so that you're sharp, like you're sharpening. Yeah. You're grinding, like you're using a grindstone against your blade. You're sharpening up. You know. Or is that the wrong expression? It might. It know. makes sense to me. I don't know. You're, the idea is like you're grinding hard against the surface so that you can sharpen up, right? You're getting tighter. That's what that you know, like the fin, like that tiny edge, that edge that you need to use to slice across no matter what. That's that's what you're aiming to get at. And then when you have it, here's here's where I'm at right now. In terms of what I've been trying to work on is like I have so many ideas for for bits. They are always going to range around five to seven minutes long. That being the regular set time that we get here, we're lucky. Elsewhere, the norm is like three minutes, five yeah. minutes, you know? Yep. So that, like, I, you know, we, we get this luxury in Montreal that once you get to a certain point, people will trust you with a little bit more time, and that is a beautiful thing. And yeah. I think it's something that we, we take for granted but also shapes us as comics. We are capable of doing the longer form. Yeah. Now... Where I'm at right now is I've done so much work on certain bits that they aren't tight. They are, they, you know, they're, they're packaged bits, you know. Hey, Mike, you're going to be on the weekend right now. Great. I'm, I know I'm going to put this package on top of this one. Open it up. That's the, that's the set. Good, good job, everybody. We did it, you know. Yeah. That's the bit. Here's the other bit. You know, show's done. I, I got this, right? But right now what I feel like is I want to reopen those. And work them more, even if they're sharp. I don't know. I don't know. Like if we're talking about a, a sword, you know, it's a sharp-edged sword. I then you know what? I want to let, let's see. Let's see if I can add some grip to the handle. You know, I don't know. So the, no, no, I, I know what you're saying. I've been doing it recently with a bit that I was doing for eight months, and I did it for six months the same way after the first two. Yeah. And now I started the past couple of weeks i started adding to it and changing certain things yeah, and it yeah, works yeah. so much better and it flows and i was like and then one thing a tag that uh, tadeo gave me on one of the gigs he's like dude uh when you end that one he goes i, I like the new one but add this and i was like motherfucker and it works even better nice. and I, yeah and i'm just tweaking just grinding a bit and and i love that i love the experimenting yeah right and then going on stage and being pop try this you know there's no better feeling than having an audience laughing at a setup and knowing that you have this wallop of a punch in your back pocket yeah. coming. You know, yeah. I think it was John Mulaney who said that to Pete Holmes or something. It was on the Pete Holmes' podcast. He said it a couple of times. There's no better feeling, and I have to agree, there's no better feeling than an audience loving a bit based on the idea alone, and then you having that extra like, oh, you guys, you guys don't, you guys don't know what's coming, do you? And then you like just throw glitter in the air, and they're like, yeah. oh my god, the surprise. I love it. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's like a, it's something that we get to do. And I say get to, because it is a privilege to be it able to get It is a privilege. You know, and, and people, ah, oh man, it's, um, it's an art form. I will stand by that, but it's also entertainment. And, uh, that's also another, like, uh, kind of like discussion I try to have with myself. It's like, tonight, what am I doing? Like, is this art or is this entertainment, you know? And even if I, even if I don't choose one over over the other, I know that I'll be like, look, I'm I'm feeling more. Like what I want to do for me is I want it to be perceived as, art. You, you know what I started coming to terms with, 
is perception when I put something out there. Um, I realized now, and it took me a while, that I'm creating something, right? It's the art. I'm painting this picture, and I'm yeah. having fun painting it. Of course. But when I put it out there, when I throw it out, it's, it doesn't really belong to me anymore in the sense that I can't control how it's going to be perceived, right? And yes. how people are going to take it, how they're going to feel, how they're going to react to it. And it used to bug me. It's, no, no, it should be like this, it should be like that. <laughs> and now it's like, you know what? This is what I created, right? This is what I made. I threw it out there. You take it the wrong way or uh, you don't get it at that level. I can't be mad. It's just it's how it was interpreted. I, it's a painting. It's, it's um, not going to draw the same emotion from everybody. This reminds me of uh, I went to Seattle for a festival. Ended up staying for a little longer, did this open mic. I did this bit that I'd been working on for like a couple weeks. Here, when I write the joke out, sometimes I'll put like a little star where I would laugh or where they, they normally are laughs. And so I look at the bit and I'm like, look, you know, I have three minutes. I'll just do this bit and then I'll do these other three, whatever. At this open mic, three minutes long, I only get to do the first bit. It's not a three-minute bit, but it's because those stars that I put for laughter that night were all over the map. Oh, they were just going crazy. So it's like, look, I'm used to I'm used to this joke not getting an applause break, but uh, you're applauding the concept of a joke right now. And then the setup. And then and then hey, you guys are really loving this setup. Um. Here is a here's a tag I just riffed. Oh, they love that. Great. Here is uh here's the here's the rest of the joke. First punchline, lose it. Usually just like a little bit of a like ha 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 here. Second punchline a little bit more involved here over there. There's like still gone. It's a rolling thunderclap of laughter over there. Here it's kind of like you got to build it up yeah. to a final punch where they're like laughing but they also feel like oh that's a complete piece that's kind of like a song we just saw a song we'll applaud the song you know and it's one of these like character bits i did it's just weird that different places well not weird it's supposed it's supposed to just that it's weird when you when you go out there and and you realize it and you come to terms with when and it's not as simple as saying a joke's hit somewhere and they don't (laughs) it's not what i'm saying it's the way they're perceived. That's right. It's the way they're perceived, which is a one minute so joke became three minutes yeah. because it's their reactions. So fucking interesting. Yeah. So fucking and, and it happened. It's happened to me. Same thing where uh, uh, then the set goes. The order's fucked after because <laughs> yeah, I realized I'm looking at how much time I have left, and, you and I was do like, another bit. Oh, yeah, I was like, holy shit, this like I I don't have time for my closer. Yeah, I don't have time for my that. Oh, I forgot to tell you that. Uh, just for, dude, just for last festival, uh-huh. I didn't close on my closing bit. Oh, no. I closed them. It worked, though. It was a great... Ex- I was like, I can't believe I just did that, right? Nice. I never got that reaction from the bit that's not the closing bit, right? Nice. And it wasn't on purpose. But again... I ran out of time because the the laughs weren't in the pockets they should have been. That makes sense, though. It's, it's, it's weird. Here's the other thing is that just for laughs, we're bringing audiences. And that's something that we're not used to here. It would As sad as it is to say, look, I'm lucky that at my show, at Figure It Out, I've been getting at least 20 people a show. That's fucking nuts to me. The fact that there are 20 Tuesdays. people... Tuesdays. There are 20 people in the room and usually other people show up late and they keep coming. That's awesome. It ends up being that comics out of the shows before going to Grumpy's, they'll come hang, they'll watch the show. We have a full room of people enjoying a show at the, by the end of the... Like, it feels amazing to be able to have that. You, you don't have that at every show. Yeah. You know, I've been very fortunate with my show. But you don't have that at every show. And you, you definitely, definitely do not have the sold-out crowds 
for the same people than when just JFL puts on a showcase. That showcase could have literally been an open mic. As in, we've done yeah. that, probably done that same order at an open mic yeah. once upon a time. For sure. Yet that night, because it's just for laughs, they put out a word and it's like, hey, we trust this brand. Let's go over and watch this comedy show. We like comedy. But then it's like, no, apparently we don't. We don't want to watch it all the time. Not regularly. No. Give us your uh, your schedule. What does it look like for the next couple of months? Uh, well, right. I mean, this comes out after, but I'm uh, going to be at the Comedy Works all weekend with oh, Hunter yeah. Collins. Then, let's see. What do I actually got? Yeah, plug the, some dates. Yeah, you know, thing is, aside from my show... And a couple of things here and there. The rest are surprises that come last Yeah, minute. exactly. They come too c- close to the date. Yeah, I, I've noticed that myself this city when everybody says, hey, can you post shit a little sooner? Yeah. And I'm like, well. No, uh, it's, it's because it's it's just so last minute. Yeah, we're, we're a very last minute town. Yeah, and it's, you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, this, is, this place, that's why I purposely put doors at 8 on my event when the show's supposed to start at 8.30. Yeah. It's not going to get started until 8.45. Yeah, people are always late. Oh, man. That's not going to stop. No, no. It's, it's a cultural thing. It's just how we are around here. We don't... What neighborhood are you in? You, you downtown? RDP, you close? RDP. You're in RDP? Yeah. Shit, it takes you a while to get down the gigs. Forever. Oh, fuck. All right, you know what? Let me just see my... Uh, yeah, let's check out some dates. Let me just turn on just the comedy dates only. That's all we care about. Why wow, you have non you have sad dates? Huh? I have uh, <laughs> regular life appointments. <laughs> Give those. So. Okay, so this weekend at the Comedy Works for Hunter Collins featuring there. The next figure it out with Mike Rose is happening March seventh, and then again March twenty first, April fourth, April eighteenth. Uh, then I'm in uh, Toronto. Oh wait, actually I'm in uh, Boise, Idaho, March twenty. 3rd to the 26th Boise Yeah I'm gonna be out there Doing the Tree Fort Comedy Festival Comedy Fort Um, I should probably put that In my calendar Uh, Then I'm gonna be in Toronto I believe the 6th and 7th of May For Crom Comedy Festival That should be fun It's gonna be a good time Uh, Then I'm hosting A buddy of mine's coming to town With two comics That I don't know uh, Jessica Singleton Jessica Michelle Singleton She had a Number one uh, album on iTunes for a while. She's nice. a comic out in L.A. Doing a little tour with, uh, man, what are their names? Ahmed Singh and Connor McSpadden. And they're doing it at Psychic City, and they asked me to host for them. Nice. Uh, let's see what else is happening. Let's see. This is 2018. That's a little far. <laughs> 2000, uh, uh, let's see. September, I'm going to be uh, emceeing my buddy's wedding. Yeah, if that's you, a good if one. Be at that. If you could be at that, just <laughs> ten, bring a card. No, you know what? I I, I want to be optimistic and hope that in July you'll see me in Just for Laughs. That's that's what I'm hoping for. I'm waiting to get a similar response that I could post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 wait. I'm just hoping. I'm yeah. hoping that they go with the Montreal show again and that they. Uh, I don't know, man. There's all this talk about supporting the scene. Let's support the scene. You Let's know what see I mean? it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Carozza. Thank you very much. And you have all his uh, Twitter and Facebook information That's right. in the bio. M-I-K-E-C-A-R-R-O-Z-Z-A. That's at Mike Rose on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. Double R, double Z. Thank you for listening. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.